Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. This is the ninth year the Women in Comedy Festival will bring hilarious female comics to Boston to perform stand-up, sketch, improv, and musical comedy. This year's festival features newcomers from all over the country alongside veteran comedians like Rachel Dratch, Rita Rudner, and Saturday Night Live's Sashir Zamata, plus a short film competition created by Rachel Bloom of the CW Network's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Here to tell us more about the Women in Comedy Festival, Michelle Barbera, co-founder and co-producer of the Women in Comedy Festival. Michelle has performed, written, and produced comedy in Boston for more than a decade. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having us. I'm so glad to have you. And also with us, comic Reese Cotton, who's performed at several festivals, including the Manhattan Comedy Festival and clubs throughout Boston and New York, including Caroline's, Gotham Comedy Club, and Laugh Boston. Welcome, Reese. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And comic Nora Panahi, who is performing in her first festival. Nora has opened for comics like Hannibal Burris and Chris Hardwick. She is also a Boston University student studying film and television. Welcome. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited to have you. I love comics. Anybody who listens to this show knows that I have comics on all the time. And, of course, I am your demographic. I love female comics, so we're all, it's all love here. So, Michelle, let me start with you because you are producing the Women in Comics. Comedy Festival. What was the original impetus behind the festival? Well, I was doing a lot of comedy, and of course, I had a lot of friends doing comedy. And a close friend of mine, Maria Champa, and I just started to see the pattern over and over of lineups that featured seven or eight men and maybe one or two women, sometimes no women. And this spanned comedy clubs, festivals, TV shows. And so we just got the spark of the idea of why don't we do our own festival and we'll just flip that ratio, we'll make it mostly women. It was really kind of a whim. I had no idea that this was going to become the theme of my life (laughs) over the next few years. But it kind of seized on the cultural zeitgeist of the moment, I think. And I didn't even realize what a niche we were, an empty niche we were filling. So what are the biggest changes you've seen from 2009 when you started to now? Well, I think that even just from when the idea sprouted in our, our minds, I've seen such a difference with seeing... Even people from, say, Saturday Night Live, years ago it would have been a Will Ferrell who would have broken through and become a mega movie star. And now, over and over, we're seeing a lot of the women break through. So we said at first it was Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Kristen Wiig, and now we're seeing Kate McKinnon just skyrocketing to be the star of SNL. And, of course, we're seeing people finally break through in areas where they've never broken through before in history – For instance, there has never been a woman on the top 10 stand-up earners list on Forbes magazine until 2016 when Amy Schumer got on the list. Wow. Well, speaking of Amy Schumer, let's take a listen from her 2015 HBO special, Amy Schumer, Live at the Apollo. I'm labeled a sex comic. Like, that's in interviews. People are always like, so you're you're talking about sex. 
And I'm like, I think it's just because I'm a girl. I feel like a guy could get up here and literally pull his dick out and everybody would be like, he's a thinker. But, <laughs> right? Amy has really pushed open some doors for, I think, for a lot of people because we're living in the age of Amy Schumer and Tina Fey and Melissa McCarthy, who is huge now, not only starring, but also producing material that brings other women into it. So, Reese, what's it like now to be in an age, in these last five years, it seems to me to be very vibrant for women comics, to be doing your thing in this moment? I gotta admit, it feels really good. <laughs> no, it it feels really good. And like the examples you mentioned, just knowing that that is a possibility. It's not a dream. It's something that people are accomplishing, that women comedians are accomplishing. So it's a really good time to be a female comic, I got to say. It feels really good. You know, something that I will be talking about as we continue our conversation, but women talking about issues or framing their observations in a way that is very female-oriented. you got to say that Amy Schumer's take on that, and there's a million ways to do it, but that take is right where we live. Would you not agree? Agree. (laughs) And that's something special, Nora, I think. And when people say women comics aren't funny, I really don't know what they're talking about. Do you? (laughs) No idea. (laughs) So you're just brand new right out. uh, Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So you must be really feeling the same same kind of energy and vibrancy in this time. Yeah, there's definitely sometimes a positive, sometimes a negative energy. Um, being a female comic, uh, you do, like Michelle said, you do stand out because sometimes you're the only female on the bill. So that's nice because you automatically get more attention, and I love attention. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still a student. I mean, goodness. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so have you decided this is it? Because you're a film and television major at BU, but will you stand up? And and comedy be your thing now, or you're not quite sure yet? I think so. My parents don't think so, but um, <laughs> that's just a matter of opinion. I just started doing stand-up last year, but I've already been accepted to the Women in Comedy Festival, so I think it's going pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah. <laughs> how do you answer the question, are women funny? And from the perspective of how the comedy that women often produce and perform. Oh, I think women are definitely funny. I mean, if they weren't, then none of us would be here (laughs) right now. I think a lot of female comics, though, like Amy Schumer, do fall under a lot more scrutiny than male comics. And so no matter what they say, people are going to say, oh, that's women comedy. That's comedy for women. It's not real comedy. So there are a lot of people who I think don't agree that women are funny. They're funny to women, but not to everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah. Would you pick up on that, Michelle? Because I know you must have heard that now from the (laughs) years of doing this. And how do you get around that or past that or something? Because a woman has to talk about her own experiences. Part of that is being a woman. That's what men do. Why isn't that same thing applied to them? Right. I think it's because we've come from such a long history of men being protagonists in everything. And women are very used to sort of mapping themselves onto men's experiences and being able to relate to a male character, whereas men haven't had to do that so much with women. And so they somehow, I feel like some men just cannot wrap that around their head that women's experiences are also universal. And just the way that we easily know that many men's experiences are universal. So I think that that's why it's important we get our numbers up. And As I was saying, our numbers are still not equal. Even in films, 
only 35% of speaking roles go to women, so, which is so bizarre because the, according to the 2000 U.S. Census, 50.9% of the population is women. So as a society, we haven't caught up with that yet. We haven't caught up with the idea that men are not the default. Yet in this area, some amazing breakthroughs have happened in the in the last few years. We've talked about Amy being on the Forbes list, Amy Schumer. That's pretty huge. I'm looking at one of your headliners. Is uh, She's a South Apar- Asian. Aparna Nancherla. There you go. She was a writer on FX's Totally Biased, and she was the first South Asian female comic to appear on Late Night TV, period. And then she was on Conan in 2013. Now, let me just note that 2013 is not that far away, so it's still pretty close, but... Still, she's a headliner in your comedy festival, and that's pretty important. So those things are happening. And I was really impressed with this number, the increase in the number of half-hour comedy specials by women. Now, I realize they started off bad. They're still not great. But in 2012, in Comedy Central, 8% went to women. Now in 2017, 35%. So that's kind of huge in a few years, given what it used to be. And I remember hearing some of the veteran comics like Elaine Boozler and others who are really pioneers in trying to do these stand-up specials talk about struggling to get a chance to do that. So in that way, Reese, things have changed. Now, you've said that there's perhaps because there's a lot more diversity within the ranks of female comics, period, in terms of, yes, you're women, yes, you have some universal women experiences, but just in the kind of comedy that women produce, there's more diversity than in the men group. Why do you say that? I think we're just becoming more comfortable with bringing what's unique to us and who we are and our stories to the table. But I would say you're an example of that, right? Right. Mm. Absolutely. My story is pretty unique. I bring all that in my comedy, whether it has to do with my background, my education in uh, Chinese. Or Or you're an African-American woman. Or I'm an (laughs) African-American woman who was a lesbian. Mm -hmm. You know, all that brings some diversity and flavor to my comedy and some uniqueness and and it's just because I'm, I'm at a place where I'm comfortable with telling my story. And that's just a good place to be, really. Do you think that also audiences are grown up? If Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that the audiences are more sophisticated. Do you think that's part I of it? I do. Why would you say that? Let's say if I put a joke out there, I can tell based on the type of response I get where my audience is at, whether they're, whether they're with me, they're not quite there yet, whether it's a LGBT joke, whether it's a dog owner joke whether it's a joke about being multilingual, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, based on their response. And I've been very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to perform in front of many crowds that are actually very much on board with what I have to say. The fact that I may not look like them, I may not have their story, their background. We may not relate on that level, but they're listening and (laughs) they they hear the funny. And they hear the comedy. Yeah, Yeah, and they they appreciate it. (laughs) Right. So that tells me that they're ready for that kind of unique and diverse experience. Nora, what do you say about the audiences of today? I mean, I realize you've only been out there a little bit, but I think some of this progress has to do with audiences being in a different, more receptive place, as Risa said. Oh, definitely. I think that for a lot of issues, there might be audiences who don't understand them fully and to have diverse comics who have been through unique experiences to be able to relate what's happened to them to whatever the audience has been through, I think that's great. I think despite current ideas about ignorance and close-mindedness, I think there are a lot of audiences who want to learn in sort of a lighthearted 
way about what people are going through, especially if it's something wildly different from their own experience. So tell me about what happens when you talk about being Iranian-American, which I know that you do in your act. People love that. People love it a lot, even though usually you're performing to all white or mostly white audiences. People love hearing inappropriate jokes about body hair and, you know, sometimes the ISIS joke, if it's an okay time to tell that. People love it because it's not an area that gets a lot of levity right now. It's a very heavy subject. And so being a comic who's able to bring that sort of lightheartedness to you know, such a current issue that a lot of people don't know a lot about has been really great. Uh, if you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Under the Radar. I'm, I'm Callie Crossley. I guess I'm on Under the Radar as well. <laughs> uh, with me is Michelle Barbera, who's the co-founder and co-producer of the Women in Comedy Festival. Also, Reese Cotton, who's a comic in Boston, and Nora Panahi, a comic and a Boston University student. And we're talking about the Women in Comedy Festival that takes place this week on Wednesday. But we are excited because we have these voices in the studio with us now, and we're talking about really a renaissance in a time for female comics. Now, I want to talk about some of the reasons why this may be happening. We talked about audiences changing. This was an interesting article from Vulture by Yael Cohen, whose book, We Killed the Rise of Women in American Comedy, is very interesting. And she names two reasons. She says, identity politics, which has reinvigorated feminism, she says. So there is a demand now for something other than a guy talking about, like, his crazy ex-girlfriend, right? They want to really hear something else. And also, social media platforms, which have allowed people like yourselves, Reese and Nora particularly, Mm -hmm. and even you, Michelle, because you also perform, to get a direct contact with audiences and they find you and then you can build up an audience that doesn't have to be mass. It just has to be niche and then it builds and it builds from there. I'd like to get all of your takes on that. Would you agree with that, first of all, Michelle? Her two reasons are right on. Yeah, I do agree. I think that back in the 80s, we had a big boom in Boston with comedy, with stand-up, but it was very different then because there were so few channels that people could go through. Back then, if you got on The Tonight Show, you were basically famous. (laughs) Now, you can get on The Tonight Show, and many of the people in our festival have been on The Tonight Show, or Conan, or Stephen Colbert, and they're not household names, Mm. because there are so many channels. So it's a double-edged sword, because it's not a slam dunk when you get on TV that you're going to be known, but at the same time, you can reach your people. You can reach the people who are going to really appreciate you. What do you think, Nora? Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you said about identity politics, right. I think right now there's a whole trend of like intersectionality, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to feminism. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be just, oh, you know, white ladies talking about white lady issues. And now, especially in comedy, it's spread to Muslim ladies and African-American ladies talking mm-hmm. about their issues and how they relate to everyone else's issues, even though they might be niche oriented. So I think that's definitely helped Here's a clip from Eliza Schlesinger, just picking up on that point. She is a white lady, but she was the first one to win Last Comic Standing nine years ago. She won when she was 25 years old and had been out on the hustings for only three years. She does, it's very funny, but she also has a thread of social commentary. So this is Eliza Schlesinger from her 2016 a Netflix special. Men love vulnerability, right? That's why the thin thing is the thing. That's why women are expected to be, right? You can't have a baby if you're this big. That's why we have to be in this garden party, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Because when women are thin, there's no nutrition going through their body. When there's no nutrition, you're cold. And when you're cold, you don't leave the house. And when you don't leave the house, you don't vote. Yeah. 
That's Eliza Schlesinger. The name of the special is Confirmed Kills, but it's from her 2016 Netflix special. This piece of the joke comes after a long buildup talking about women involved with body images and, and the feedback. And I thought, wow, that's deep. Stay in the house and you don't vote. And she's got a lot of jokes like that in the same kind of area. At the same time, we have Ali Wong, and that's a name that we're hearing. I want you all to hear just a clip from her. She's really gotten a bigger and bigger audience again from a Netflix special. This is from Ali Wong, Baby Cobra. And she's right at the heart of sort of doing a biting commentary about men's gaze at women. It's very rare and unusual to see a female comic perform pregnant because female comics don't get pregnant. (laughs) Once they do get pregnant, they generally disappear. That's not the case with male comics. Once they have a baby, they'll get up on stage a week afterwards and they'll be like, guys, I just had this baby. That baby's a little piece of It's so annoying and boring. And all these other dads in the audience are like, that's hilarious. I identify, and their fame just swells. Reese, you're laughing, I'm laughing. Um, (laughs) I thought that's biting commentary in and of itself, and you were just talking about your audience is sort of going with you as you've been raising some issues uh, like that. Yeah, I I think she's an amazing comedian. I've watched her, her special I don't know how many times. The issue that she raises about being a woman and getting pregnant and how it impacts your career <laughs> and and it can almost really slow you down or if you allow it to because you're having you're having a baby you know you're having a person you got a normal thing for women. yeah exactly <laughs> and then on the flip side talking about how the, the guy gets to go on with his life with no change to his schedule but now he's having a baby and it's like an extra star in his pocket it's like an extra boost to everything he's doing because he's a dad now he's like he gets all the credit without the works it's <laughs> just too funny I know I agree yeah. Michelle you're laughing too oh I'm laughing I have four kids eight and under so <laughs> so you know the story oh I know it very well <laughs> I yeah. performed eight months pregnant before and then I did not perform again for a very long time after I had the babies <laughs> I want to know about the impact of podcasting for and we've talked about various platforms but it seems to me that as I've gone around and listened just randomly on the web that podcasts are actually allowing female comics to do a direct thing, too. You could either do your act or you can talk about some of the issues that we're discussing here. Who particularly has been impacted by listening to podcasts or doing what? Anybody? Any of you all? I, I yes. love podcasts. I guess. Yeah, okay. I was an early adopter, mm-hmm. and I became really interested in them. I, to be honest, one of the first podcasts that I really got into was the Mark Maron podcast. Mm-hmm. But it's just and the it's Comedy Bang WTF, Bang. WTF, yeah. by the way. Okay, go ahead. And the Comedy Bang Bang, mm-hmm. which used to be called Comedy Death Ray. But since then, I've been amazed at what's happened. And... There's a couple of podcasts out now that are just killing it by women. There's Two Dope Queens. Yes. Which love I don't it. know if you guys are yeah, familiar love with it. it. That's one of my favorites. It's Jessica Williams and Phoebe Robinson. And Jessica used to be on Comedy Central as a correspondent on The Daily Show. Correct. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe Robinson is an alumna of WICF. She actually performed at least ah, three years. And yeah. She also has a book out called uh, You Can't Touch My Hair, which is uh, selling very well. So they just sold <laughs> out two shows at the Wilbur Theater, which is a 1,200-seat theater. No problem in January. And they are the talk of the podcast world right now. And I, I knew right when they announced that they were going to be doing a podcast. This is going to be huge. Tried to get them. They were already booked. Yes. <laughs> but then there's also other things like 
there was this amazingly talented comedian called Karen Kilgariff, mm-hmm. and she has this podcast called My Favorite Murder with another comedian, and that is just exploding. So now they're going around to all these comedy festivals. They're going around touring, again, things like the Wilbur, and it's been a huge platform for them. It's been amazing to see just another way. And in fact, we've, at the Women in Comedy Festival, we just started a podcast network ah, because- okay. I want to try with my team to encourage people to lower that bar because I think that with a podcast and be a little daunting, mm. as you well know here, surrounded by all <laughs> yes. this equipment, how daunting some of the technical stuff can be. Mm. So if we can take that away from people and just let them focus on their vision, it opens up a whole new world for people to be able to express themselves and get their message out. So Reese, I guess people want to know from all of you, why would you want to be a comic? Like, what what do you enjoy about talking about uh, standing on stage and telling funny stories about your life and yourself? For me, I chose to be a comedian because I want to talk about some of the things that bother me the most, that haunt me. Like what? Let me see. For example, living uh, in my grandmother's basement, mm-hmm. something like that. I joke about that a lot. I joke about letting my family down, maybe because I didn't live up to their expectations because you're a comic now now. being the lesbian daughter of a baptist pastor just having that that internal struggle Mm -hmm. inside myself a comedy gives me a platform to kind of release and be like hey this is going on in my life but guess what it's okay because you're laughing (laughs) because it's funny and i'm gonna make the most of the stuff that makes me cry at night I should tell people that you you have a big joke about having the last name Cotton and being an African American. Yeah. So, so people need to go hear you just for that. <laughs> so Nora, same to you. Why this as a way of expression? Well, I've always loved making people laugh, even you know if I'm saying something funny and people don't laugh, I laugh, and that's enough for me. <laughs> okay. Um, You're your own cheap date. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I've always loved performing. As I said earlier, I love attention. And I like that sense of vulnerability when you're on stage because you are like pouring your heart out. Usually you're talking about really troubling things in your life or something that's caused you a lot of pain, but you've learned to laugh at it. And so maybe other people can now. And I love being a part of that experience for other people and for myself because it's very therapeutic. Yeah performing comedy on stage because you're kind of bearing your soul to a group of strangers and maybe <laughs> one day you're talking about sex but the other day you're talking about an eating disorder that you have and it's just it relates to people and you know it brings maybe heavier issues into a more light-hearted space which can be very helpful so how do you assess the future then, Michelle? I mean, this festival is an example of, as you said, some of the people who were first starting out coming back are your headliners now, and they're headlining many other properties outside of here. This is a place where lots of people will congregate not only to perform but to listen to new voices. So when you look forward, what do you see? I think that it's just getting bigger and better. For instance, uh, we had... Sashir Zamata and Nicole Byer and Keisha Zoller were in a group called Doppelganger, which is an improv team. And they applied to the festival in 2011. Wow. None of them were on television yet. They just applied. And I saw how amazing they were. And so I had them open for Rachel Dratch at Improv Boston. She agreed to do a little show there. And they killed it. And so now here they are, all of them having been on television and Sashir on a Saturday Night Live. Nicole had her own show on MTV. And they're now going to be headlining at the Somerville Theater for our kickoff event. And 
actually, we just had a cancellation of a one another major comedian, and so Luis doesn't even know this yet, but we are going to move her onto that show as one of the opening acts. Wow! All right. Oh, very good. Oh, good. <laughs> I have, I have, I uh, know, I people like Reese. Mm-hmm. I know. I've seen their trajectory. She's the way she's grown as a performer and the presence she has. I see that all over the place now. And all I want to do is help cultivate that. And I know that they're going to go off and do more and more amazing stuff. So I have really great hope for the future. And I'm going to stick this out, like, with my team. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, I have to call out my team, Elise Sherman and Chris, Christine Kamanava, who are my co-producers. And they're the ones who started the film portion of the festival. And we're just all working really hard together. And we got to get our numbers up. But yeah. it's happening organically. Thank you so I th- much. I, I, I think we mentioned that Rachel Dratch is one of your headliners as well. And it's important to note in this conversation, talking about evolution, that 10 years ago she was on Saturday Night Live. She created the Debbie Downer character You know, wrote a great book called Girl Walks Into a Bar. I mean, and now is going to be back on TV again in a new sitcom on ABC called Imaginary Mary. I mean, it's just it's something to see what's happening and how as I said, how vibrant it is. So it's exciting, Michelle. I'm glad you brought together all of this talent. I'm very happy to have met Nora and Reese, and I like to laugh, so this is good. <laughs> you should try comedy. <laughs> no, I'm not that funny. But I, I just, I'm always amazed at how you guys can come up with these perfect observations that are funny about life. <laughs> I could come up with them, but they're not so funny. So, but thank you <laughs> for, for being here. Thank you for loving comedy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Thank you. Michelle Barbera is the co founder and co producer of the Women in Comedy Festival. Reese Cotton is a comic in Boston. And Nora Panahi is a comic in Boston. Boston University student. The Women in Comedy Festival takes place this week, beginning on Wednesday, April 19th through Sunday, April the 23rd, in various clubs and venues in Boston. For tickets and more information, go to WICF.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find links to the stories we discussed today on the web at news.wgbh.org UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app or take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugertz. Andrea Aswahe is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH.